Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. This is the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. And we are taking it from Hawaii to the mainland as we go to the American Express. Takes place over a couple of courses in California. Uh, it's the stadium and Nicholas courses at PGA West, along with La Quinta Country Club. Uh, so, Skeeter, as we get ready for this one, of course, we'll take a look back real quick uh, to the Sony. But as we get ready for this one, it's going to be a three course rotation uh it's a pro-am it's going to be a much different animal so we have the shortened field tournament champions where we don't know where anybody's uh playing legs are at to the sony the first full field event to a pro-am so we kind of continue to get a mixed bag as we get our feet wet here in this season yeah i've always found the beginning of seasons whether it's baseball or football or golf kind of tough because you just don't know where people are at and especially in golf where we have guys who've played the first two weeks. We have guys we haven't seen since the fall. We've had some who played Sony last week or played TLC, not Sony. Like, It's just tough to try to figure out where everybody is at. And, I mean, maybe that's why you have some surprise winner. Or not a surprise winner, but somebody kind of semi out of nowhere. Like, Siwoo Kim winning the Sony Open where, well, it's not a shock that, you know, random week could be Siwoo week and... <laughs> You know, for somebody who has won at Sedgefield, who lost in a playoff at uh, Harbor Town, I mean, this kind of fits the narrative. Like he, his his history would suggest that uh, Sony is the place he could win, and sure enough, he did. So I don't know about you. Well, I know about you because we talked about it beforehand. I didn't do so great last week. I had one six of six. A cash was a nice lineup, but was never really uh, in danger. I had a lot of good plays last week, honestly, but. I kind of got away from Chris Kirk, unfortunately, and I was really invested in Mackenzie Hughes. And in the end, that was probably my downfall. I mean, I got away from Hayden Buckley after talking him up, and that that was like, okay, that's about right. Um, yeah, no six of sixes for me. I, I think I had a couple at one under that if you know had had that cut somehow dropped to one under on Friday, I would have been had some six of six, but nothing great. A six of six was low, but even my five of sixes were not uh, great. Just cr- couldn't really get anybody up towards the top, so, oh well, we move on, and that's about it all I for, for Sony. It's about all I got, too. I was at the uh, Bengals playoff game on Sunday night, so I didn't even get to watch the Sunday uh, finale to it. Um, the only thing I can add is my mom was uh, a Jordan Spieth better this week after hitting John Rahm the week before, so we're at a family function Thursday night. She's all excited because her golfer's in the lead. We all kind of fell into the family <laughs> mode, and uh, it was a family wedding, and then the Bengals game. So she asked me today how her golfer did. I said, Mom, I hate to inform you, but after being the first-round leader, he didn't even make the cut. That's kind of how my week went. Like, I felt like I was looking pretty good. I felt like Rory Sabatini. I was looking great at one point, oh. and then I wasn't around on the weekend. He did look great, by the way, both uh, scorecard and um, fashion-wise, by the way. By the way, when I brought that up on Saturday on SiriusXM, do you think anybody listening had any idea? Was there one person who had any idea what, what we were talking about? Yes, there was one. Because anybody who's listening to fantasy football chatter in mid-January is very into sports, very much into the the uh, finding the angle. So I would say, yes, one person was watching Sony Open Thursday, had a DFS lineup that was list- that was, uh, that was listening to, to us discuss that. Besides you and I, one other person. Okay. I believe that. Okay. Skeeter, let's take a look at the American Express. So we mentioned it briefly, and I guess it's uh, it's it's something that bears conversation because not only is it a three-course rotation, so when you look at course history, now the, there will be – everybody on Sunday is going to play La Quinta. Is that correct? No. 
Uh, what's the one we're going to play on? Uh, is it the stadium course we're playing on Sunday? Yeah, yeah stadium okay. course, PJ West. So we're all going to play that one twice. Well, we're all they're all going to play that one twice if you make the cut. But it's three rounds before the cut. So six of six is always great, but it's not as important. And with this being a pro-am, it's not a always I, – I don't know. You know, I'm still searching for the right formula, and I think you had a very good week last week here. But is it more about course comfortability? Is it more about guys that can play with, you know, other non-professionals? Is it about maybe guys that aren't the greatest putters because you got to think these pin placements, at least in days one, two, and three, are going to be more friendly than what PGA Tour pros are normally used to? Oh, <laughs> uh, you threw a lot there, but yes, there's a <laughs> lot. There's a lot of narratives here, right? Because yes, yeah. pin pin places are always going to be a little bit easier. Um, these greens are a little bit slower anyway. We're not, they're not, you know, lightning fast. Like they're going to be next week at Torrey Pines or in Florida where we see some of those. And then you would have some other weird, um, things going along with this, such as you have Pete Dye, who was the, who was the designer of the stadium course. You have the Nicholas tournament course, which is a Nicholas course. And then you have La Quinta, which is, I think, like one of the, if it's not the easiest course that's played on a PGA Tour every year, it's one of the, like, the top three easiest. So it's just, it's a weird mix. We only get shot tracker data on this on the stadium course at PGA West. So it just, you know, and I sometimes you can even look back at, you know, who's played well at Pebble just because of, that these are six, seven hour rounds with, with the amateur. And I think course history does actually mean something here a little bit just for those reasons. But obviously I think recent form plays a role as well. And, you know, I think it always feels like Sunday comes around and there's some, you know, it's close or somebody might have a two or three shot lead and they don't hold on. So it's a fun tournament to watch. You mentioned how, you know, six of six is great, but it's not the most important thing. I mean, yes, to win, you're going to have to have six of six, but to cash, yes, you could have a good five of six and be perfectly fine. Skeeter, anything else that uh, you want to talk about the course? Do you want to get into maybe some of the statistics that you'll be breaking down to try and uh, pick the right members out of the Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned I've had success here. Um, well, yes, last year was my – this is my best golf week ever was this tournament last year. I had Swafford, I had Hoagie, I had Cantlay. I think they were – Swafford won, Hoagie was second, mm -hmm. Cantlay was fourth, Molinari was sixth, Rom was like – T20 and then I had Davis Riley who had a, just a meltdown on Sunday. I think he shot 78, but um, I took down a couple of GPPs close to another. You know, if Molinari doesn't bogey 18, oh uh, man, I would have been there. But um, yeah. So by my model on, on Fantasy National, there's a nice little bold message say, "Do not change this model." So we're gonna go with the same one I went last year. Is mainly ball striking. I'm looking for opportunities gain and birdies are better just simply because it's going to be in the minus 20s to win this thing. So you're going to have to score. DraftKings scoring plays a role in their approach, par fives, and putting. So that's what I'm looking at. One other, couple other things to notice here. Number one, I think this might lead to more stars and scrubs just because everybody's guaranteed three rounds. Like, find your birdie makers and kind of go from there. And if you're playing showdowns or if you're playing first-round leader, again, you might want to target La Quinta and even the Nicholas tournament course, but the emphasis on La Quinta. That is the easiest of the three. Not that PGA West is hard, but it's the quote-unquote most difficult of the three courses. And there's going to be some slight edges sometimes that you can take advantage of. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about both first round leader and, uh, you know, Thursday showdown slate. So I'm glad you brought that up. I guess the only thing I want to ask you before we get into the field, what do you make of Hudson Swafford, the the defending champ? This guy's won here twice, but he otherwise plays terribly here. Is that a Hudson Swafford thing? Is that, and I say terribly, he had a, going back to 2015, he's won this tournament twice. He's missed the cut three times. He's been 56, 65th, and 29th. So outside of the two wins, there's nothing would indicate you want to play him here, except for he's won twice. So is that a Hudson Swafford thing? Is that a the American Express tournament thing? Is that just a an anomaly that probably doesn't need to be talked about? Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we're not going to see him in the near future here because he's over on Live. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Like that, it's interesting because you you look through and you see some winners who don't have great results other tournaments here, but yet then you also look and you see you have some who have played really well here who haven't won. So I don't know. Um, I think he was okay at Pebble as well for the AT&T Pro-Am, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. It's a, it's a good question, which I don't have a good answer for. That's okay. Sometimes there aren't answers yet. Maybe we'll eventually have one, but uh, Skeeter, are you ready to get into the field here? Yes. We start like we always do, 10K plus, and at the top, it's John Rahm, 10-8. Scotty Scheffler's 10-5. Tony Finau's 10-2. Patrick Cantlay, 10-1. Xander Schauffele is 10K even. Skeeter, you got a favorite in this? Of course. I mean, a couple of my favorites may be, you know, a little recency bias that they were on my team last year that, you know, when I hit so well. But um, but basically, it's going to be Cantlay. Yeah, um, his course history here has been has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, let me pull it back up here. Ninth, second, ninth. His last three appearances here. He didn't do much for me in the tournament of champions where I played him, but stat wise, I mean, he's gonna hit everything. Fourth in opportunities gained, fifth in birdies are better, seventh in DraftKings scoring, tenth in par five strokes gained, twelfth in ball striking, like. Everything's there. He's second in my model over 24 rounds. If I'm looking across a whole range of models, he's top four from 24 and beyond. So, you know, as far as long-term models. So, 10-1, I don't know where he's going to be at. You know, I would assume Rom and Scheffler will take some attention away Finau way he's playing. But I'll just play the course history narrative. In fact, he was in my lineup a year ago. and go Cantley. I think Cantley is going to be my number two based on pricing. Um, my number one is going to be Tony Finau. He's been so good. But truthfully, my one, two, and three are kind of all in a mix together because I could see myself being more invested in Cantley. And when we get to the 8Ks, by the way, I like that tier a lot. I might be really balanced. If I were only setting one lineup, I don't know if I'd go to 10K because I think I like at least three guys in the 8K. We'll see how the lineups shake out. But I think Finau, for me, he's got a really good course history, and he's been playing really good lately, too. He's certainly found something in the last, I don't know, nine months. Yeah, he's my second here for a lot of the reasons that you just said. Um, I feel like I've played him here in the past before, familiar with the course setup, and not quite as pricey as the top two, and probably in a little better form and just a good history. Like, I know he hasn't won here like Rom has, but certainly, I, you know, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a discount, which in a week where we might be playing Stars and Scrubs, you might, you know, every, every couple hundred dollars might come into play here. That being said, you know there's some 6K guys I like. You know for sure there's a defending champion in 6K. 
6K that just recently got added to the field. So I'll have a Stars and Scrubs, too. Um, my number two, like I said, is Cantlay, and you mentioned those reasons. John Rahm's hard to get away from. The price is not incredibly prohibitive, considering, considering the fact that he continues to dominate fields, probably should be world number one right now. Uh, that, to me, doesn't matter, but it matters to him. And that seems to be motivating him. He's irritated by it. So at 10-8, John Rahm's a great price. I barely like him less than Patrick Cantlay at 10-1. But if I have additional $700, I would play Rahm. I wouldn't sit on it and play Cantlay. The only reason I'm not going to play Rahm, I mean, everything you said, he's play, he's won here before. But if you remember last year, he made a comment, like, he was a little angered at this event. Like, this is just a putting contest. And... That concerns me a little bit with him that, you know, there's just a lot more variance on, the, on these easier field tournaments that I don't know if I want to pay top price, especially when I think, I haven't looked, I think he'll be somewhat popular. I like to hear that, actually. That's good knowledge because uh, I I could see him being irritated by this being set up being a little bit too easy, but he has returned for one reason or another. I mean, Who you we have, a, we have a pretty strong field here, and this I oh, don't yeah. think this is elevated. So nice to see, nice to see a strong field. I agree with that. Uh, who, are, who are you fading here in ten k? It's Xander. I mean, this is just more of a you know what? There's enough good players around here that I'm not going to take a chance to see where he is with his back injury. Remember, he had to withdraw from the term, tournament of champions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's two weeks is a pretty quick turnaround for that, and. You know, there's enough people around him that says, you know what, I don't want to take the chance. And if somebody wants to use him and he beats me, okay, I'll live with it. Um, won't be the first time, so I'm just going to fade him for that reason. Let's take it to the 9Ks. Let's take it to the 9Ks. And by the way, Xander, my fade as well for those same reasons in 10K, Skeeter. But we'll go 9K now, and it's Sung JM is 98, Will Zalatoris, 96, Tom Kim's 95, Sam Burns, 94, Brian Harmon, 93, Siwoo Kim, 92, Cam Young, 9,100, Aaron Wise, 9K. Skeeter, I feel like there's an obvious guy should, to be a favorite in this tier. We'll see if you got the same guy I do. I don't know if it's obvious. There's three I really like here, but... Um, all right, I said I wasn't going to take the risk with, with Xander just because that was two weeks ago. I think Zalatoris was months ago, and we did see him at least play at the Tournament Champions. Maybe knock mm-hmm. some rust off, but this feels like... And he finished 11th, didn't gain on approach, but he was there, and, you know, maybe, you know, Zalatoris does, like, tough tracks, but I think he played well here a year ago, if I remember right. So, yeah, he was 6th here. I didn't have him that week, but for me, it's going to be Zalatoris ever so slightly over, over two others. Um... He ranks third in my model. He's second ball striking, second birdies are better, fifth opportunities game, fourth DraftKings points, like 13th approach. He hits all the main things we're looking at. He's above average par five, just about average putting. I can live with that. 9,600. He's going to score a bunch. And I don't know. I, I think he, he has the highest upside here, whereas the, the one other I like has similar upside but has a much lower floor. Another guy I think has a higher ceil- or a higher floor and a higher ce- or a lower floor or sorry lower ceiling higher higher floor. I can't talk. Talking is hard. Please uh, please take over so I don't have to mumble anymore. So I didn't think about Zalatoris because I'm worried about the injury, but you're absolutely right about the upside. And then I think about the fact that so he's not my favorite, but maybe he should be. So maybe it's not as clear cut as I thought. 
Uh, Brian Harmon, my favorite, probably the guy with the highest floor and the lowest ceiling. Is that who you were alluding to? Maybe, maybe not. It is not. Uh, okay. He, he's, I didn't have a star by him, but he was one kind of going coming into the week I was uh, considering. He was mediocre last week after, uh, you know, making the cut, but he was, uh, he's got a good course history here too. Um, so I like Harmon, but I think about Zalatoris and if putting's going to be easier here, like if Zalatoris could have, you know, a middle day putting, he's usually a very good player with the approach. So maybe Willie Z makes more sense here than I thought. The price is certainly enticing. I'm going to stick with Brian Harmon as my favorite though. Um, he's been playing good and he has a good uh, track record here. Maybe not as good at the Sony open where he was, like I said, good, not great. Uh, but I'm going to stick with my guy, Brian Harmon here. He is, uh, apparently becoming one of those James Adams guys. Okay. No, it makes sense. Um, also if you, I mean, again, it's hard to kind of weigh in with one event, one, one round on the Nicholas course, two on the Pete Dye stadium course, but Harmon always ranks very highly in Pete Dye courses. So. That makes a lot of sense. Phil Mickelson's won here a couple of times. I don't know if there's a lefty narrative, but Harmon fits that narrative as well. I don't hate it. Um, I don't know if he's a guy I get to, just because I think there's two others in this range I like. But as far as all stars and scrubs, or you know, if I'm, I'm taking more of a star scrubs approach, I have no problem with Brian Harmon. If you get away from Willie Zier, you play a couple up here. Where else are you going? Uh, the, the high, the, the high floor, maybe slightly lower ceiling is Sung JM for me at 9,800. Another guy who has played well here in the past, uh, 11th, 12th, 10th, 12th, like four solid finishes. I don't think the long rounds wouldn't seem to bother him as demeanor. I, I don't think it would be. I mean, here's a guy who just loves He plays playing. every day. He's used to being on the golf course for a while. Right, right. <laughs> I'm assuming he probably must be a friendly type of guy. But uh, ninth in my model, he's fourth in par five, 13th in opportunities, 16th in ball striking, good DraftKings score, decent putter, 9,800 again, maybe, you know, he might be the one I leave out just because I don't know if I can, if I'm playing five lineups, how much can I afford Finau, Cantley, M, and Zalatoris, but he's definitely in consideration, and I do have one more, but I'll wait and see if you have anybody else you like at uh, 9Ks. Yeah, you got me thinking Willie Z really should be my number two. I think I'm going to go with Aaron Wise. Uh, his track record here is kind of hit and miss, but I like the price. I think I'm starting to become a fan of Aaron Wise. I'm not sure that's good for my DFS considerations, but he was pretty uh, pretty okay. I don't know what pretty okay, what the heck that means. He was okay at Tournament Champions, finished 18th, 17 under. He had a nice fall uh, building up to the Tournament Champions you know, before his break, too. Um, with three good finishes at Houston, Mayakoba, and the CJ Cup. Now, how much that still bears weight, I don't know. But I'm an Aaron Wise guy. I like that price. And he did have a 17th here not too long ago. He's had a couple missed cuts more recently. Yeah, I think I used him a little bit at – I think I ended up on him at Tournament Champions. But good birdie or better, good DraftKings score. Um, not great in approach over the past 24 rounds. and. Yeah, he, he rates out much better long-term than the more recent models. But I think there's another guy we got to talk about. All right. Because he won here two years ago. He's 11th last year. Oh, and he just won last week. Siwoo Kim, who's played this event four times. He's got two top tens with a win, an 11th and a 40th. Like, people don't also like playing somebody who just won. And I know Siwoo has, you know upside for days and also just a very very low um floor but 
9,200? It's like... He's a Pete Dye guy, too, isn't he? He has played well in Pete Dye courses. Like, that... Uh, you know, I, he, that's what I'm, gonna, I'm I'm curious what ownership's going to do with him, because... If, if people are not on him because he just won, I will have no problem going right back to him. You're starting to give me nobody to fade here because I'm looking at Sam Burns' course record, and it's pretty good. Um, so I don't know if I could fade him. I was kind of thinking about fading Sam Burns. I don't know that I have a fade. i probably leave it at Sam Burns, though, who, quite frankly, I could use. Um, yeah, for me, it's going to be Tom Kim, and it's not because he burned me last week, but maybe there's just, you know, we've seen this before with the, with guys doing a tour, start off so hot, and then they kind of hit the, just a little bit of a lull, and I don't, he doesn't seem like the type who would, but again, there's Alex Zalatoris for a hundred more, I like Si Wu for 300, or four, uh, 300 less, like, he just falls in an awkward price range for me where I just like others. I am interested to see how he reacts to uh, this kind of field too, right? The uh, the uh, the pro-am. So we don't know that right now, and I'm wondering how ask, that would... As, I as think a, he'd be pretty good in a pro-am field. He's friendly. I mean, he certainly was kind of a friendly uh, unifier to that President's Cup team, it seemed like. Right. Like, I don't think this would bother him at all. And hey, it's the Stars of Scrubs week. Like, hey... There's nothing wrong starting the all South Korean lineup of M Kim and Kim. Like, there's not. And guess what? That's a pretty good start. It is a good start, and it's a lot cheaper than it was a week ago. Yes. Skeeter, shall we take it to the eight Ks? Yes. By the way, I also know how you like to play narratives for any reason. So country affiliation, I would assume, would be a one that you would have no problem doing. No, absolutely. Look, I, I can look. You you know, you're absolutely right. I like to play a little narrative. And, pre- Let's go. I mean, and pre-live, it was always the South African uh, contingent that we could play a lineup. Now we just have to move to South Korea. Who, that's that's who, funny because Garrick Higo in the 6K, I was going to ask you about it at some point. <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to assume, at least right now and probably for the near future, the South Korean uh, players coming through, probably a little bit better than the South Africans. And that's not a knock in the South Africans, but South Korea just, whew, they are uh, they're a force to be reckoned with. They are they're a go- golf hotbed. That is, that is for yes. real. yes. Let's get 8K going, and it starts at 8,900 with Taylor Montgomery. At 88, we've got Cam Davis. At 87, Andrew Putnam. Sahith Tagal is 86. Tom Hoagie, 84. K.H. Lee, 83. Adam Hadwin, 82. Wyndham Clark, 81. And at 8K, we've got J.T. Poston and Taylor Pendrith. Skeeter, I like 8K a lot. Who do you like best here? Yeah, there's there's some names here which we're going to have to talk about. But again, I, I'll just go back to the... The lame narrative of, hey, he was in my winning lineup last year, and he still raced out great statistically. Might not have had the best week last week at Sony. Maybe he was a little um, down after flying to L.A. to watch his Horn Frogs absolutely annihilate the National Championship <laughs> game. But uh, let's go back to Tom Hoagie, 8,400. Mm-hmm. Like, this seems a little too cheap. Over the past 24 rounds, he's number one in approach, second opportunities gained, third in ball striking, eighth in DraftKings scoring, tenth in Brewers are better. I mean, fits all the narratives that you want here at this tournament specifically, like make a bunch of birdies. He also passed three years for second miscut sixth. So he showed he likes his course to play it well. Probably played the best golf of his life over the past year or so. 8,400 feels like an absolute steal on Tom Hoagie. And a guy who uh, we think is kind of a coastal player as well. I'm, I'm with you. Hoagie is 
I may build an all 8K lineup. Hoagie would be in it. He's not my oh, top no. three and still a player I probably use more than more than once or twice uh, in a 10 lineup setup. I guess I'm going with Adam Hadwin. There are truthfully three guys that I'm going to play a ton in this 8K range. Adam Hadwin, James Adams guy, 8,200. Uh, we haven't seen him since last fall. His last time out was a seventh at the Houston Open. He was making cuts, consecutive cuts, uh, to end the fall season, which Adam Hadwin we've seen go up and down. But his course history here is really good as well. He was 25th a year ago. A couple of years going back to 2019, he had a run of four top ten, second, third, second, and sixth. Give me Adam Hadwin all day, dude. And one of those years, I think one of the seconds, I think, I think it was the Adam Long year, 2019, I think it was that year, maybe not. Yes, it is. Was You're that, absolutely right. Which, by that, the way, spoiler alert, another 6K guy I'll be interested in. Was that the year he shot 59 at La Quinta? That I cannot guarantee you. I did That I don't know. But, I mean, if if where else would you? I, I know he did one of these years. Because I remember Golf Channel had to run a camera to La Quinta mm. to, to catch this. I do remember that now that you say that. Yeah, I remember the instance. I guess, yeah, Adam Hadwin would be your guy there. So, yeah, no, good course history. That'd probably be the only reason I'm looking at him, but last time we saw him in Houston, gained seven and a half shots on approach. Um, lost putting, which is actually kind of rare for him. Tenth at Shriners. Like, I don't know where Shriners plays into the, into this. Kind of, I guess, more of the desert tracks. Uh, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of narrative, and maybe Phoenix as far as, far, as far as that goes. But even back to Hoagie, you know, he's, he's the defending winner at Pebble Beach, which is the other pro-am. So, no, um, Hadwin... Has my interest. I don't know where I'm going to end up on him, but definitely a course history play. Who else do you like besides Hoagie? <sighs> Stats make me keep going to Cam Davis, 88. Um, I almost wonder if he's going to get squeezed out price-wise because I like Siwoo so much. But um, Cam Davis is going to pop in a lot of stats. Ninth birdies are better. Tenth opportunities gain. Second par five strokes gain. Above average, everything except putting where he's kind of neutral. Um Let's see what. How does he rate across? Yeah, top twenty across almost all models, eight eight to a hundred rounds. So just an overall solid player. Um, decent price. Good on track him. record here too. Okay, I've got there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was looking at the wrong guy when I said I was looking at Cameron Young. Wrong Cameron. Too many, too many Camerons on tour now. Um. Well, we got rid of one of them, unfortunately. Yeah, we did. Well, no two because we got rid of Tringali too. Did, didn't Tringali go to live? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about the uh, highest-earning never-win guy who's, right. whose autograph is hanging on the wall behind me. There you go. You know, here, that's our first uh, – we like narratives, right? Uh, Liv versus uh, PGA Tour. We have the all-Camerons, Young and Young and Davis versus uh, – versus, uh, Smitty and Tringali. Or you could go with the all-Aussies. But anyway, no, I'm sorry. Cam Davis is top 15 across all models for me stat-wise. So definitely somebody I will be keeping a look at. Dude, I got into Andrew Putnam last week. I am going to get right back to it. Uh, He has been playing exceptional golf. He has a really good course history here as well. Um, 14th, 21st, 10th, 34th, 17th. Those are your last five years. Andrew Putnam is like my co-favorite here. Uh, I went with Hadwin first just because I've been been a fan for a little bit longer. And he was a little cheaper. But count them as my co-favorites. And dude, I don't know how you get away from Taylor Montgomery even at 8,900 now. He continues to play well. He played well at the Sony Open. Um, how do you get away from him, too? 
that one feels like that was just gonna be a price squeeze, but yes, definitely in consideration. The only argument against Putnam is yes, he was fourth last week. He gained over ten strokes putting. So that's always a slight concern for me. Um you know, my other eight K guy I don't mind is KH Lee. Like last I checked, there was a uh this is uh the steam course at TPC at PGA West, which is a TPC course, right? Mm-hmm. I think KH Lee does pretty well on TPC courses, so I don't think he's a die specialist, but anyway, I mean, he, he keeps getting strokes on approach. He was sent to the tournament champions, a solid 28th last week, third at CJ Cup back, going back to the fall, 42nd, whatever the worldwide technology Mayakoba was. Like, he hasn't missed a cut since the Open. And he's That's sitting impressive. Here the, sitting here in the mid-8s, like, Nothing fancy. I don't. I don't remember him having a, you know, anything noteworthy from a course history perspective. Um, twenty first a few years ago, but, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I don't mind him for his recent form. And okay. I'm telling you, I think there's an all eight K lineup to be made in this in this grouping. I mean, you bring him up to the point too. I think there's an. I will have an all eight K lineup if I'm setting ten, which. I am, as I always do. Yeah, I'll probably go back to five. Again, it worked for me last year. Um, won't probably do that, but... Yeah, so what we've mentioned all but four guys in the 8K range. Uh, I mean, and I'll tell you this. I'll go first with my fade. And my fade is Taylor Pendrith, who I enjoyed the story last year. Uh, but we haven't seen him in a while. And guess what? If I was going to spend 8K, I'd spend it on JT Poston, who's been okay recently, and we've seen him twice this year out already, so Pendrith, an easy fade for me, Poston coming off the 21st at Sony last week. Uh, so if I were going to spend 8K, that's where it would be, which means Taylor Pendrith is out of the mix. Yeah, same here. I mean, 8th at the BMW, 15th at RSM, but in between, 66, 44, 67. That's not screaming 8K. Like, there's some guys in the 7th I like better, and you know, it's funny, we even mentioned one of our favorite golfers, Thigala, who, again, mm -hmm. if you're playing the desert narrative, was there at Phoenix. He wasn't great at Tournament of Champions, but we've seen him get, a, uh, uh, you know, four rounds under his belt since. And, I mean, say what you will, they were all under par. Right. I mean, that does say something. It, it, it doesn't say as much at Kapalua, but it does say something. Right. Skeeter, let's take it to the 7Ks. I'm not sure if I have as much excitement about this tier as I do the 8Ks, but I'm going to need to find some guys. So I'm going to start with you. I want you to give me a, a name you really like. There's a couple I've got in mind. Yeah, I was trying to deep dive here a little bit, and I, I was to the point where I couldn't eliminate some of these golfers, which is... Probably. I had that problem terribly last week. Sorry to interrupt, but that was my... I, that was making the jump from a small field to a big field... I like. I looked at the list from the after the podcast last week, and I think I said I liked eighty guys in the seven Ks. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I was like, "Dude, I gotta, I gotta get back into whittling these down." Yeah, I mean, and and you know, I I spent some time last Wednesday night narrow, trying to narrow it down, and of course that didn't work very well. And it always happens that way. But you know what? I'm gonna go back to a guy who's been playing really well and had a 14th year last year in his debut, and that's David Lipsky. Mm -hmm. Fourth at Sony, gained five and a half shots on approach. Putter was good. Like, even in the fall, he was 22nd at Houston, 10th at Mayakoba. Had some miscuts at the start of the fall swing, but seemed to have found something and picked it up. And he's always a guy who just can pop out of nowhere and score. He's ninth in approach, 12th in opportunities, gained 41st in birdies, so not 
overly great, but 23rd ball striking. Like, overall, a nice, solid player. And at 7,300, I think there's enough upside that, you know, we've seen some, we've seen big names win. We've seen first-timers win. Lipsky was good on, on the DP World Tour when he played there. Why, you know, I think he translate over here as well. So far, he has. He just doesn't have the win. I got to go with Brennan Steele. Probably is my favorite. His course history is really good. He missed the cut last year, um, but he's had a couple top 10s, a couple of top 21s, because of 20th and 21st. Um, <laughs> was okay last last week. He certainly didn't uh, He didn't bring me home, but he didn't ruin my lineups either. Uh, so give me some Brennan Steele here, who's got a belt around under his belt now, or a weekend under his belt, and he's 6,400. Would you like to guess the reason he did not play very well last week? Uh, did it have anything to do with the flat stick? Of course it was. That's Brendan Steele. And we can we can handle that here, I think. I'm hoping. I'm looking at his past, which again, I, I realize stats here are kind of limited as far as that goes, but I don't... His putting, his putting has not been... It's been kind of hit or miss, which or typical Brendan Steele putting, where he'll have a couple good rounds, but other than that... um, Yeah, the approaches are there. Short game, not so much. Putting, of course, has been atrocious, so... He did end up on my list, but I'm not going to talk you out of him. You got some other names here? Yes. Um, I feel like this is your guy. Let me quickly look to see what he has done here. I feel like he's at least had one or twice. No, he hasn't. He's made a cut three out of four times. Patrick Rogers is jumping at me stat-wise. Like, I've used him before. I've certainly mentioned him before. I mean, he had a really good fall. Like, those last five events of the fall, 10th at RSM, 16th at Houston, 27th at Mayakoba, 3rd at Bermuda, 16th at Zozo. Like, I don't know how if that can translate over here. Does not have the best history here, but he's number one drafting scorer in the past 24 rounds. Six and birdies are better. That's in 21st ball striking. Those are the numbers I want to, I want to see. What do you think about one Denny McCarthy? I didn't get to him last week, and I guess it didn't matter a lot because I was interested in him. He ended up uh, T32. He was eighth here last year, has not had a great track record. Uh, a lot of miss, a couple of missed cuts. He was 48 two years ago. I think Denny McCarthy gets on my list this week. I just can never play him because he's so putter dependent. And if this is a if this is a week where the putter, where being a bad putter is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. I don't think this is, you know, he's not a guy I'm really into because the approaches are just a little bit more struggling. Chris Kirk, who I didn't play last week, I'm looking at him again this week. He's been good here before. Okay, yeah, I, I did not see him last week, and I see him toting up the leaderboard like, oh, James was uh, James is correct on that one. Um, yeah, but I didn't play him. I had him in zero lineup, so was I? I mean, you made the call. I mean, at least you made the call. Like He was on my radar. I think I just too, like I said, way too much Mackenzie Hughes when it was all said and done. Yeah, I mean, but guess what? Those those toss-ups, and you're, you choose one way, you're not going to win them all. I mean, again, That's right. I was on Hayden Buckley for a little while, and he eventually became a, you know somebody I took off. But um, other guys, Jason Day has been playing sneakily well again. Like, he's top, he's top 10 ball striking and approach. Um had four top twenty ones. There's your number at the um, at the end of the <laughs> end of the fall, like eighth, eleventh, sixteenth, twenty first. Like if Jason Day's starting to figure things out again, I mean, we know the talent is there. 
Uh, Joel Dahman rates out really well and everything except putting, but again, we've already talked a little bit about putting. Alex Smalley, I used him last week. I think he was okay, but number one par five rates out really well in the scoring categories. Um, I have a couple other guys, but I'll hold off to see if there's anybody else that you really like. Not, I mean, there's not a ton that I haven't that I uh, that I have left. No, because I'm so interested in in the the top of the board that I'm not I'm not really I've tried to whittle them down. So I got a handful. I mean, look, I could get you to Grayson Sig if you want because he's a player I've been kind of enjoying. I like him better when he's a little cheaper, but 7100 is good. Um, honestly, I think I've I nailed down a couple guys. I'm going to be so invested in AK. I'm not sure that I could get anywhere else. You didn't mention Justin Rose, by the way, at 7,900. If you're going to take a chance at Jason Day, I'm sure you're going to take a chance at the Vampire at 7,900, right? No, not yet. Okay. I think Day's been playing better over the past few months, so that's why I'm not necessarily going there. Um, other guys, I'll just, I'll just mention guys I have starred. This one has nothing to do with stats, but I swear every time I look at a leaderboard, and even the you know, the, I didn't pay a ton of attention in the fall, but I paid a little bit of attention, like, oh, S. Kim. Oh, wait, it's not Siwoo Kim, it's S.H. Kim, who isn't popping stat-wise, except he's pretty good at birdies and pretty good putting, but he always, he, I swear I keep seeing him on leaderboards, so he's one I mentioned. Uh, Callum Terran was one I kind of used, I think, towards the end of last season. Same. Bit, so... He got my attention. Marty Laird. If there's a desert narrative. We know he plays well in in Vegas. Um, ben, Shh, we, we still don't talk about that. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, ben Griffin rates out really well for me stat-wise in all the scoring categories. Neesmith kind of popped out, and Ben Taylor was the last one. But why in the world Ben Taylor? He must be really good short-term. Um, Skeeter? Yeah, short-term Ben Taylor. But You got any more on the positive? No. Are you fading the vampire? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's part of part of this. I think if I'm going there like Jason Day, I think I'd rather play the Hoagie Cage Lee Adam Hadwin for a little bit more. And just this upper seven K is probably a, like I like Day. I don't know if I get to him. Just probably ends up being a range that I'm just going to pass on. I mean, it's kind of a commonplace thing, but I think I'm going to fade Ricky Fowler, who, by the way, has a pretty good course history. Even during his struggles, he's been okay here. Uh, but I'm going to fade one Ricky Fowler at 7,800, because if oh. I played Denny McCarthy, I wouldn't play Ricky. I mean, first of all, you and I fading guys that we traditionally have been on is a story. I bet you I play a Ricky lineup. <laughs> I shouldn't. Um, okay. He's kind of one of those players, but I, I, I bet you I could play a lineup, but, I mean, he's been... You know, he, he hasn't found it yet. And I saw a thing the uh, other day where... I might disagree with that one. His fall, 6th at Fortinet, missed at Shriners, 2nd at Zozo, 34th at CJ Cup, where he lost 7 strokes putting, which Ricky's a okay putter, but he's usually not that bad. Like He I... was good when he was good. And maybe maybe he's another one. Like, Dave's starting to find, find something. And, you know, at least for Fowler, coming back to a course he's had some success at. Like, who knows? Are we ready to go 6K? Yes. Do you have a 6K favorite, Skeeter? I actually have a, not, not a true favorite, but a, I was deep diving in here earlier. And again, there were some guys I just could not get rid of as far as the first wave or like, okay, who can I get rid of here? Um, Davis Thompson kind of pops out. I think he was, I don't know, some of these Thompsons and Davises, I'm, I get them confused. I'm, 
fully figured it out yet, but over the past 24 rounds, really good approach, really good ball striking, gives us a plenty of opportunities. His problem can't putt. Hopefully that is kind of taken care of here a little bit. Um, yeah, race out much better longer term than short term, so that might be a decision that I have to make. But um, I have some others. I know there's some of your some of your guys are down here. The obvious one. Boy, it's good to see him back on the course to start the season. It's got to be Charlie Hoffman. <laughs> the guy's won this thing before, Skeeter. He did. He's on my list. Of course he did. He's sixty seven hundred. Uh, it's not in here, but the uh, the tournament. Oh boy, uh, the tournament where he was teamed up with Ryan Palmer. Um, that I can't think of oh, the name Q- of now. QBE or yeah, that's exactly right. That Hoagie and Thagala won, but the, that but Hoffman and Palmer uh, could have could have forced a playoff with a birdie on eighteen. So give me a little Charlie Hoffman. Um, which by the way, wherever I missed Ryan Palmer, is he in the six case? He's in this tournament, isn't he? Or maybe he's not. Maybe that's why I, I missed did him. Not see him. Maybe he's not in this tournament because I remember looking at course history and going, okay, Rom's won here and is decent here, and Palmer's had some success. But actually, I don't see him in the field. Ryan so. Palmer's not in this field. All right, so scratch that. I was like, I I, uh, I just remember looking through the course history and thinking that. But I'll, I will take Hoffman, and you know that I'm going to go with a couple other guys that I like. Um, but I'm going to throw this one at you, Skeeter. Long's had a good course history, uh, and I like Doug Gim a little bit. But Aaron Baddeley was really good a week ago. He's 6,600. He was T7 at Sony. Um, and I get it. Some of these, uh, some of his past success last summer was Corn Ferry Tour. But let's go to Bermuda, where he was T6. Fortinet T36. RSM T39. He missed the cut at Mayakoba, but he made the cut in all these other PGA Tour events. Was seventh just last week at Sony. He's 6,600. And Aaron Baddeley has a decent course history. Where did you go? Uh, so he hasn't made the cut since 2019, well, but he was 18th in 2019. So the course history is not as good as I thought, uh, but still good enough where he's had a success. I think Aaron Baddeley at 6,400 or 6,600 is a really nice price. I, first of all, I didn't even know he was in a field last week, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, top 10. Oh. Look at you saw that long hair and you couldn't see the face, and you went, I bet that's Aaron Baddeley. I did not. Again, that's, I what, that's what I did, and then I was proud of myself, even though I didn't say it to anyone else at the family function. <laughs> you know, I, I, I always wonder, like, you know, as I'm at my high school, you know, announcing a volleyball or basketball game, PA, public address announcing. I'm always like, I bet I'm the only one right now who's looking at first-round Sony Open uh, scores. Like the TV this. wasn't on at my family function, and I asked my uh, cousin's son to turn the TV on. He's like, is this what you want to watch? I go, yes, that's what I want to watch. Yes, it's live. They're in Hawaii. Just thank you for turning it on. Now don't harass me. <laughs> so a couple other guys who kind of were popping up to me a little bit. One's at 6,900, Kevin Yu. Um, third at Bermuda, 21st last week, mainly putter, but he puts up, he rates out really well, like six opportunities, ninth, 19th ball striking, not a very good putter, So, but again, that's something I can maybe potentially forgive. Like I like the opportunities gained, the, the putter, or the, the birdie-making ability from him there. Um... Satoshi Kodaira apparently played really well at the end of last year on the Japanese tour. And he's still kind of popping stat-wise a little bit from some recent rounds for for fantasy national 6,600. And then one other guy, I I tried to get rid of him from my my list, and I couldn't. All the way down at 6,400, Tyson Alexander. 
he is all over the place. Like, his irons are either hit or miss. But when they're on, he was second at Houston. He was 32nd last week. He was positive. Usually a fairly good putter. This is whether his irons will show up or not. If you need an absolute punt, I don't mind Alexander 6,400. You know, I was thinking Sabatini was that player until about the second half of his second round. Did he? Miss? And now I don't think he is. Oh. He missed the cut after it was like, I don't know if he was tied for the lead at some I point. He was like one off, I thought. Yeah, and then he ended up missing the cut. Uh, very Spethian's uh, Friday. Or Keegan-ish. There you go. Skeeter, any more positives you're taking from 6K? Yeah, I mean, Sam Ryder keeps popping, but he did for me last week. I didn't get on him. Stuart Sink back to playing decent again. Might be somebody to look at. And then Yechun Yuan, or Yan, I don't, I apologize, I'm butchering his name. He was somebody who kind of popped last week, but his irons have been really, really good. He just struggles around the green, but 21st at Sony, 39th at RSM, 35th at Houston. He was 5th in the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. He's another guy who just stat-wise, I remember seeing him last week. I didn't play him, but a short-term model, he's like top 10 from 12 rounds and under, but he's just one who stat-wise gives himself plenty of opportunities. Like, he was one, you know, or makes, and makes birdies, good DraftKings score. There's another one to kind of mix in if you're trying to go to Stars and Scrubs. That's more 6K than I thought I was going to be looking at when I first looked at the field, given the 8K's uh, delights that I like. But we'll see. I may end up playing a few more 6K players than I, I originally thought about in this tournament. Like you know, like we said to start with, he gets three rounds. So it's a little easier to go Stars and Scrubs. You got any more positives? You got a fade for me. No, I'll go with a fade. Let's see it. And I will go with a two-time champion here who has missed five straight cuts at this event. It's Bill Haas. Like, uh, he hasn't made a cut since the Travelers. Like, I don't know what, I don't, you know, I don't know what happened to him. Because um, I, I was, like, playing when I first started DFS. Like, he was always a nice, nice solid player, but not not so much right now. You know, he, I, he is 750 to 1, apparently. Like, that might be worth a dollar. I mean, he's one or twice, but <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not doing it. I don't think I'm fading Dylan for Telly. Um, oh. Just because it's 6,800, if I'm going in that price range, I like Gim. Uh, Stewart Sink's hard to get away from at this point. Charlie Hoffman, other players around there. So for Tilly, a guy who's won on tour, I don't know what, in the last couple years, uh, is a player I will fade here. Knocking my John Deere Classic winner. Shame on you. I apologize. Uh, that's that's I apologize. I mean, even my guy EVR just has not been playing very well either. Because it's like sixty seven hundred. Well, that's too cheap. No, yeah, there's a there's a reason he's that much. So that, that's exactly right. I was gonna fade Lingmurth after he hurt me last week. I had way more invested, but he's got uh, he's got a sneaky good history here. I think he's got a couple seconds. He does, and I look at this like recent history. He's like miscut T ten. So I see the miscut on Sony where he had a bad Sunday or Thursday, and I go, I don't know, maybe I'll get back to him. I wrote him down. We'll see. But, yeah, I, w- I will fade for Telly. Uh, anything else from the DraftKings perspective? I don't think so. Skeeter, it's time to talk a little one and done. Um, again, we get to the point where, uh, you know, what are you doing here in one and done? If you had a bad week or a good week, it's just way too early to really, like, even consider any of that, right? You're just trying to pick points. Or what are you doing this week? Is there a is there an angle, or are you just trying to pick the best golfer? I mean, it feels like you kind of almost need to take a decent golfer because I mean this this field is pretty good. Like 
I mean, I'm not doing much with my $28,000 I got from Hoagie last week. Wouldn't mind going back to him, but uh, can't because he's the only golfer I can't choose because I used him last week. Um, I can't use Mackenzie Hughes, so you've got more in the bank than I do. Well, I think Tom way Kim, too invested on Mac last week, man. Tom Kim was popular. Well, um, I mean, there's always a philosophy: just take the winner when you can. Like it's all going to pay very well. So sure. I think for me, I think right now I'm either down to Cantlay, Sungjae. Zalatoris, and if I'm feeling really spicy, Siwoo, try to go over the back-for-back. I'm considering Brian Harmon, Adam Hadwin. Uh, My thought being, Hadwin I would never use again, I don't think. Brian Harmon I could could potentially use uh, later in the year. I mean, Brian Harmon's like 20-something in the world, so... um, Because my buddy actually bet Harmon versus Spieth on on Friday in the head-to-head matchup. And uh, I looked it up. I go, it's not crazy that they're minus 110 either way because Harmon's really high rank in the world and been playing good. I might go with Brian Harmon this week. I'm uh, I'm not 100% on that but because I'm trying to think, where else would I use Brian Harmon? Well, maybe I'd use him at match play. Where else would I use him? Maybe I wouldn't use him at match play. Um, maybe I would. I'm not sure I would elsewhere. So that's where I'm leaning, but I don't know. Obviously started off with zero last week, so it's not like I have a clue what I'm doing. No, but guess what? I mean – Everybody's going to have a zero at some point. I, I think very few people True. are going to go through the whole season without zero. And and by the way, I mean, in grand scheme of things, Tom Hoagie making 28000 is about, I mean, is not that much different than you having a miscut player. E- just, e- exactly. We're going to get to the end and, you know, what's, I mean, yes, it could be a tiebreaker, but, you know, if you're not getting top tens. Um, it's not as, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, if I, if I, Put another goose egg on the board this week. I will start to worry. Well, I would. As farmers at elevated events, like, I guess I need to look this up. I will be honest with you, Skeeter. I did not look uh, uh, into the prizes of all the events for the course of the year as I set one and done last week. As I was doing a lot of fantasy football playoff stuff, that is something I intend to look into. Uh, moving forward because I get my spreadsheet out and I kind of plot who I think I'm going to pick to save names or not save names. I don't know if it's smart to do that, but I kind of do it to try and plot a path through the, uh, through the season with my one and done. Okay. It's not, but it is something to start considering because you know, like, okay, so this week is it's an $8 million purse. Next week, to- Tori is eight, seven Hebel's nine. Phoenix is 20 million. Genesis is 20 million. So those are those things that, you know, you might you might want to think about, but the flip side is if everybody's thinking about it, does this make the top tier guys lesser less popular? And it certainly could. And then you get into the whole game theory of if I zag and you zag, maybe I should have just zigged to begin with. It's going to be fun to watch it play out with this new uh, with this new payout structure. Right, like if you pick, like okay, so like I for now my pick is Cantley. If Cantley wins. You know, he wins, what, 1.7, 1.8, or whatever it is these days. I, I don't know. And he goes and wins another, you know, one of the elevated events. Am I still mad that, you know, I picked him when he won? No. 100% not. No. So, it's not something I'm overly worried about. But, it, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those maybe deep tiebreakers that if you're between two guys, factor that in as far as, you know, okay, do I want to save him for an elevated event? And by the way, by the time we get to some of these elevated events, these majors, we're going to have, you know, as we mentioned last week, some of the live guys. There'll be other players who have popped up that we want to use, so mm-hmm. it's okay to use some big names prior to that. 
I mean, Xander, are you saving Xander for any event the way he looks right now, having to withdraw and, you know, have an MR on his back? Maybe not. Will he be playing later in the year? Like if last year, if you were saving Bryson before he defected to live uh, for events A, B, or C, he was hurt and couldn't play. So I, I, I we're always going to talk about saving players for events, but at the same time, you just don't know who's going to be there when you get there. And if you and if you don't use a big gun that you thought about and they won, the odds of them winning when you did save them for are pretty slim. Right. Like, you know, you just pick winners or, you know, hope that you hit a winner. But, yeah, I, I'm just for now, I'm going to go with, um, I think I'm going to go with Cantley for now. And, you know, plus, you know, let me get him out of the way in case he decides to defect to live because he's always – him and Xander apparently are always on the rumor mill for that one, so. Yeah, but who's driving that rumor mill? Is Greg driving that rumor mill? I don't know. I mean, Colin uh, Morikawa was a big-time rumor until he finally came out and said, no, it's not happening. No, but I think, so, but I think if I remember right, Morikawa said he was at least evaluating it, which, by the way, I, I don't like Liv, but I don't fault anybody for evaluating their options. I think you. I think no, you no, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I think no matter what aspect of life you are in, you need to have always evaluate all of your options, and you make whatever one you think is the best, and hopefully it works out for you in the end. Amen to that. Skeeter, we got anything more from the American Express? Um, I'm just hoping for a repeat of last year, or I'll take I'll take 10% of last year, 5%, or whatever. I'll just take you know, a couple lineups cashing, maybe maybe distract me a little bit from uh, Sunday football. Like It's okay if I get a throw on the golf because I have chances of whether they work out or not. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for. I am hoping to just sniff a little success, have more than one lineup cash. And like I did last week, it was nice, but uh, let's be honest what I'm hoping for and what we're going to have. will will remain to be seen, but uh, I'm certainly looking forward to this tournament. And uh, I don't know, Skeeter, I'm looking forward to seeing this field again and seeing how some of these guys, like I'm really looking forward to see how Tom Kim interacts in, uh, in this uh, pro-am event and some of these other guys just to, A, get a feel for what we got coming in a couple weeks. And of course, I know, I know the real thing you're looking forward to is Sunday afternoon at three o'clock Eastern. Well, if, uh, if it's seagull season and <laughs> it's Bengals time, that would be groovy with me. I won't be at the game. I'll be able to watch both. Are you telling me there might be a, Seagull Bengals double depends. Um, it depends. There, l- let me tell you this, Skeeter. As we know, the ABCs of James Adams' betting card re- revolves around always bet Charlie, and I will certainly do that. I will always bet the Bengals or ABC, always bet Cincinnati. There you go, Skeeter. You got anything else? I don't. For Skeeter Robinson, I'm James Adams. We appreciate you all joining us. And this has been another edition of the D- the Fantistics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast.